Yeah. So what what type of things do help during? Let's start with an anxiety attack. So you're at work, and what type of things help with them? This is gonna sound really silly.、Um, for an anxiety attack, what I usually do is I watch action sequences of TV shows and movies. I love that. That's you know that's something so simple yet so like I mean you want to feel bold and.、Um, But yeah, do you watch them? You just kind of watch them like at work while you notice it's starting to happen. So, so I, I work from home, right?、Um, yeah. So I just queue stuff up on my computer on Netflix or、uh, files I have on my computer, and I'm like, okay, and and I watch the same thing. Like I've watched the same action sequences hundreds of times, literally hundreds, if not thousands. That's what I do, and it's weird, but it works. You are now listening to Linguini's Dough. All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Linguini's Dough, everyone.、Uh, today we have a guest, Crean. He's、um, he was wanting to talk about his anxiety attacks or panic attacks.、Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure.、Um, I'm originally from South Africa. I currently live in Taiwan. I have been doing so for the last thirteen years. Yeah. And、um, I am a community manager at a crypto company that's based in Zurich and New York, and so that's a new job. I used to be a teacher before that, and actually, you know, in between teaching and this job was public relations as well. So、uh, a lot of stuff all across the board. How long were you in South Africa?、Um, I was in South Africa. I was born there, so I was raised there, and then I. Left when I was seventeen. I had my eighteenth birthday on the plane,、uh, moving to Massachusetts. Wow, that's crazy.、Um, that's a learning experience for sure. Oh, definitely. Did any of your family as well move to Taiwan? No, no, no.、Uh, just me. My, my, my parents.、Um, we are they're dual Irish South African, so they lived in Ireland for a bunch of years、uh, before I was born, and they moved back to South Africa. And then they moved back to Ireland when I moved to America,、um, and my brother lives in England. But now,、uh, my mom moved back to South Africa quite a few years ago, and she lives with my younger brother there. Dang, that's that's quite the、um, it goes everywhere. <laughs>、uh, oh so yeah, that's cool. That must that's a lot, but that's cool.、Um, okay, and for those don't know, I mean this could this could be a very big definition, but just in short. For those that don't know, what kind of is crypto? Sure,、um, crypto is basically the idea of.、Um, let's take an example. Hey, Lendon, you're American, right? Yes, I'm American. Okay, so we'll take example of Bank of America.、Um, I used to live in Worcester, Massachusetts, and we'd go to the Bank of America, and I'd do my banking there. Right, that is just that place. If somebody went and Robbed the bank or destroyed the bank, you know, there'd be probably be issues with records and that sort of stuff. The idea of crypto is that everybody knows what everybody is doing, and so if I went to destroy somebody who was running a crypto bank、um, and robbed them or stole the information, the copy of that information exists in every single person who's part of that chain, which is why it's called a blockchain. Um, so it's basic idea of crypto is just decentralization and transparency. Okay, so just kind of like a more secure thing in general. In general, very much so. There's there's different、uh, categories of centralization or decentralization.、Uh, so it's it, it varies all across the board. 
it just depends who you were. It's sort of like shopping at Target or Walmart or Amazon now. Yeah, uh, that that does help me understand. I I I don't know a whole lot about it, so um, thanks for clarifying that up. Um, no problem. Okay, and then I, you do have a podcast called Inside Crypto. That's about the crypto. Yes, um, that is. It's with the company that I work for, Amun Tokens, and yeah, we basically we just interview people, uh, people who are working in crypto. Uh, a lot of my coworkers, most of the time, if I can get them, but and and it's we just recently started, so this next week will be our tenth episode. So I'm looking forward to keep on going with that and seeing where it goes. Yeah, go check it out if you guys want to listen. I I listened to an episode and I felt like I got. Like I didn't understand everything because I'm so new to it, but it had a lot of it, very good info. Uh, Thank okay. you. Yeah. Okay, and um, so let's let's move on to just kind of the. Do you prefer to re- use the term panic attacks or anxiety attacks, or do you think there's like a difference? I'm. When I started experiencing this, I sort of, you know, did the most horrible thing, which is what people say you're not supposed to do. You know, go to like WebMD and like Google stuff and try to figure out what's going on. And I did that. And people said there's a difference between uh, panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Um, I can't quite remember what the actual difference is. A friend of mine uh, here in Taiwan, uh, he's a British counselor slash uh, psychologist, and he posts stuff about this sort of mental health all the time. And he explained there's a difference as well. So uh, I think it's, they're like... 60 percent 70 percent similar okay so they just have that just a tiny bit of difference Um, yes okay so should i should we refer to specifically one or just kind of uh go Uh, either or is okay for me i i think most people anxiety and panic you know when they think of the words and attacks they sort of get the meaning yeah yeah totally um okay so let's dive a little bit into that and uh, so first of all, who have you, I know you haven't told a whole lot of people about them. So I guess just who in general have you told about them? Um, I've told my best friend and my partner uh, who I live with. Uh, just those two people my family doesn't know. Um, I mentioned to a coworker the other day because he was like, what are you doing at 8 p.m.? We should have a meeting. I'm like, oh, no, I'm joining Landon's podcast. So he knows, but I think he didn't really understand what i was explaining either so uh pretty much just three people yeah hey i mean now i'm the third one i think no fourth the fourth you're the fourth person yes (laughs) so that's cool um yeah how how does does it help when you do tell the people that you know like your best friend or your partner um i got my my partner's in the other room so but but thank god her because i live in taiwan her english is not great she's not going to understand but (laughs) Um, she's a wonderful person. Don't get me wrong, but she's like a very grew up in a very uh, poor background, so she's very like mentally strong and doesn't believe in talking about this kind of stuff. So, um, I told it to her, and she, I think she doesn't believe it's real. Um, my best friend is probably the person who most understood it and sort of helped me, gave me ideas for like how do you deal with it. You know, she suggested you know very typical solutions of. Uh, meditation, uh, what is that called again? Uh, inhaling natural oils. Um, uh, what, what is that called? Infusers, I guess, is what they're called. Um, 
that, uh, reading some books, uh, less digital media before you go to bed, uh, sort of reducing my workload, um, a bunch of stuff like that. So, yeah, you, um, you mentioned meditation there. Uh, do you, is that something you sometimes practice a lot? I've never done it, but I've heard great things about it. Um, I've done it. Um, I do like uh, my my brother's wife. She does. They do meditation. My brother and he, they do it, and I think they do the better version. Um, what I do usually is, um, since I've started experiencing panic attacks, anxiety attacks, my sleep has suffered. Uh, significantly so that I, I have not like slept really well in like the last two, three years since it started. Um, I sleep like every now and then I sleep like a full like eight hours and I feel like wonderful. And then it goes for like months of me. Uh, recently, it's become more horrible. No matter what time I go to bed, my body just wakes me up at 6 a.m. in the morning and I hate it with a passion. Yep, you're not a morning person. So is it kind of like insomnia? with the worst sleep schedule um it's it's not in some because like i fall asleep because i'm tired at night right yeah and i i fall asleep but no matter what happens um in the last year or so it used to be like wake up at seven was automatic and now it's become wake up at 6 a.m and it's just very frustrating so like recently i just i have to take a nap in the afternoon um just because i just get really really uh Less patient and more angry uh, towards the evening if I don't have a nap. Yeah. Um, okay. So the naps kind of help and stuff. Um, what was I, I forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, so that's good that the naps do help with the uh, sleep schedule. Oh, what time do you have to get up for work? I don't know if it's like a set schedule or with crypto. It's just kind of depends. Well, because my job is EST, so... Um, most of my coworkers, I mean, they get into work at like nine. So right now it's eight or eight p.m. Taiwan time. Um, my coworkers, of course, um, they're all in New York and some in Zurich. So the Zurich people have already started working. Uh, the New York people is usually the people I deal with most often. So usually, like from nine to like twelve, I'm quite busy. Um, so, but mornings I still have uh, two meetings uh, with a side gig Monday, Thursday. So I got to wake up at seven. Uh, those days but now tuesday wednesday friday saturday sunday i i get to sleep i try to sleep more but it doesn't happen yeah it goes back to what you're saying you kind of just keep waking up at like six six in the morning exactly um okay so i know i know you mentioned that a lot of your panic attacks or anxiety attacks they come from work so um i guess before we go into that we should probably figure out what is what is that happens at work that causes those? What are the kind of things that you see beforehand before they start? Um, okay, this is. <laughs> I I even mean, I have this feeling of like anxiety as I'm explaining this. So, um, okay, that's. Um, it's not so much triggered when I'm at work. Um, though before like Mondays we have a meeting. Um, and I have to sort of explain in that meeting what has happened the previous week and what's going to happen uh, this week. And before those meetings, I have like horrible, my body shakes, I have butterflies. And um, I would say that is probably more like an anxiety attack, less so a panic attack, um, because it's just like a lot of worries. And um, because I'm remote, I'm the only employee in Taiwan as well. And 
the things that I do for the company, marketing, podcasting, YouTube videos is kind of new for them. So I feel like there's a lot of expectations and stuff. But going back to your question of what happens before. Um, so an anxiety attack, I've just explained, it's, it's like usually starts like the meetings start at 10 p.m. Uh, Taiwan time or 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And before the meetings, probably like about 30 minutes before I start having this sort of uh, butterflies uh, shaking. Um, is I don't feel upset or anything, um, just uncontrollable, like nervousness. And it's, I hate it. Um, but for the panic attacks, they generally happen like unexpected times. I used to keep a diary when they started, not so much a diary, like in my Google Calendar, I would write down uh, when I experienced a panic attack. So I'd be like, uh, mine a panic attack, you know, intermediate, or I don't remember what I wrote it down, but it's three levels of panic attack. And I would write it down so I could sort of like figure out the trend on my own. Like, okay, is there a pattern to these things happening? But there wasn't one. And um, so, so going back to the panic attacks, usually what would happen is I think about all the things I have to do, uh, personal things, uh, work things, friend things, uh, family things. And basically what would happen is I'd want to, in my mind, my mind would be saying, this is too much. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. And I usually start tearing up. And <laughs> the worst thing is is in, in Taiwan, in Asia, a lot of people ride motorcycles. Not many people drive cars because uh, cars take longer to go places. So <laughs> I'd yeah. be tearing up riding a motorcycle, which is not exactly very safe. Um, and the longest time there, it's lasted is probably like three, four, five minutes, and it's it's just a feeling of, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. So just kind of um, like you can kind of predict your anxiety attacks. It's your panic attacks that are kind of just you're. I mean, it sounds like you're still trying to figure out what those come from. And then you mentioned like the motorcycle and where. Um, was it the is it like a fear of like if you were to fall off or like do you know what about the motorcycle may be the cause for the panic i would say so because i'm i'm my life is very much uh like i grew up you know i lived in america i lived in ireland i lived in south africa so i'm used to the you know we had a, a lot of free time growing up but in asia people are just so busy so like the only time my mind is truly empty is, you know, it's like when you're driving a car or riding a motorcycle or riding a bicycle. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't say it's not so much the motorcycle. It's just at that point, my mind is empty. And I'm like, oh, my God, you have so much to do. You have no free time. You, you just, you're just overwhelmed. And it's day in and day out of like, a, like an elephant standing on you and you can't move it off. Yeah, what... Um kind of want to expand on that so, since like it makes sense elephants are these big giant i actually love elephants but they still point said <laughs> they're these giant uh animals and they're kind of like it feels like they're stomping on you and you just can't get away um exactly do you um what type of things do you kind of feel trapped by because i know or um it, it, it's it's okay i i feel trapped by this is very hard for me to say because I've actually never admitted it to myself. Um, I feel trapped by my life in general because I, I live in Taiwan. Um, I come from a middle to upper class family in South Africa. If I had stayed in South Africa, you know, 
I'm 38, turning 39, I would have had a house and kids and that sort of stuff right now. I would not have to worry about money, but I'm in Taiwan as a foreign person. Um, I have no like support beyond friends and family. I mean, friends, I should say, not so much family. Um, my partner is there and she definitely helps a lot. Um, but I, I feel like I have to keep going and going and going and earning money and saving money and working hard. And I can't stop because, you know, the, the world is experiencing COVID-19 and climate change. And I'm like, I need to have money in the bank. I need to be prepared for this. I need to, I need to have a house, right? I, I mean, that's what everybody does. I mean, when you get older, you're supposed to buy a house and have this secured asset. And then when you retire, you're like, okay, I can sell this, make some money, downsize, and I have some money for retirement. And, and I feel like I'm just constantly behind. And I just, the biggest part I would say is I feel like life is forcing me to live this life that it's not terrible, but I just, I want to slow down. I want to I'm going to have more time for myself, more time to spend with my partner, more time to spend with my friends. And I just, I don't have it. It's not there. I, I feel that. I mean, I'm not from a foreign country. Like I've lived, I was born in America, raised in America. But um, it's just, you're just expected. Like you get to that age and they're like, hey, you're, if you're done with your money, then, um, well, your, your life could go, I don't know. And you're in a foreign country, so you probably have to be extra careful with that. If, like, if you were to go unemployed for a bit, I'm sure getting a job back while you're in a foreign country might be even a little bit more difficult. Uh, how many hours do you work a week? Oh, God. Um, that is a great question. So I have, um, I just switched jobs, and I used to be uh, teaching and in public relations. And now I'm still teaching uh, six hours a week. And I'm still doing public relations because, again, in Asia, it's it's about relationships. It's not like, um, and again, I'm gonna go back to Western countries where you can say I quit and I'm done, and people have to respect your decision. In Asia, because you're connected to people, and it's it's more your boss is more than your boss. He's maybe a mentor or a friend, and there's a a relationship there. So go back to your answer. I've calculated it out to because um, I work Saturdays and Sundays as well. Um, roughly speaking, probably 47, 48 hours a week. So a good amount and you don't have much options. So uh, you mentioned that in Asia, like, sorry, Taiwan is part of like the Asia area, question mark? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, Taiwan, Japan, Korea, very similar in culture and the way they approach life. Okay. Yeah, so you mentioned that um, your boss is kind of like your mentor, and like, or you might know them essentially outside of work. Um, yes. So how does how does leaving a job even work in that case? Um, I mean, that's why I haven't left because uh, I joined his company, and um, you know, some of the ideas that where the company is going are my ideas right now, and I know uh, if I left, uh, it would be he would feel offended on a personal level because um, a lot of foreigners who come to Asia, um, they teach English and they start. And I, I, he was the road for me to stop teaching English and maybe earn more money. And I know he, he would not take that well, which is why I haven't left and why I'm still at a minimum there of four hours a week. Wow. But that's interesting. Uh, do you, so that goes back to how you kind of feel trapped. Um, 
Just like yes. you, you can't leave. So you're with the public relations and then you're doing the crypto from what I understand correctly, right? Correct. Okay. Um, okay. And then with a panic attack, so you notice that you start, sh or with an anxiety attack, you notice you start kind of like shaking, you get that butterfly feeling. Um, when that Correct. panic attack, like it's like you would consider it the attack, what does that feel like? You mean the the anxiety attack or the panic attack? Oh, sorry. Uh, let's start with the anxiety attack. I I accidentally said panic attack. No, no, no worries. I just wanted to be sure. So, the the panic attack itself, um, the feeling is not as bad. I mean, the anxiety attack is not as bad as the panic attack. It's it's just more of a physical feeling. I don't feel like sad. I guess which is where the panic attack sort of makes me feel sad slash depressed. Um, and, and I guess I should put this in context. And again, again this is something not many people know. I used to be uh, depressed in South Africa. Um, I used to be a cutter as well. Um, I've gotten over that for the most part, uh, not even uh, maybe a few years ago in Taiwan. I went to therapy in Taiwan. Um, but um, yeah, no, the... Anxiety attack is just a physical feeling of, and, and it's the worst part is, is when the meeting starts, I need to talk, and but my jaw is like chattering. I like teach that sort of stuff, and it just it's irritating. Kind of like when you're in the cold and it like chatters. Exactly. Yes, yeah. you're right. Okay. Uh, I'm glad you're doing better from past previous years. I know it's not like completely gone, but I'm just glad you're doing better. You're not cutting anymore? Question mark? No, no, no. I, I, I stopped. Uh, Jesus Christ, when did I stop? I stopped actually when I lived in America, um, but the deep, I stopped cutting when I moved to America uh, a year or two years later, and uh, the depression probably only got fixed when I went to therapy in Taiwan a few years ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I know it's, it's tough. It, it really is. Um, so I'm glad to hear that. Okay, but so back to the anxiety attacks. Um, is so anxiety attacks are they more like a just a mental thing? Like you, because how I I've never had a like I have anxiety, but I don't have I've never had an anxiety attack. I've heard about them, and I'm talking to you about one. Um, is it when it happens? Do you feel like it's more like a physical thing or like a mental thing? Or, or probably it's probably both, but. You just hit the nail on the head. It's, it's. I think it's both because um, I, I have an early shower and then I'm like totally fine, like 9 p.m. And then as I'm looking at the clock, I'm like, oh my god, it's it's getting closer to the meeting. And as the time goes by, the the physical things sort of manifest themselves. The 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 butterfly feeling, the the shaking, and then as the meeting starts and my boss is talking, and then I have to like physically force my teeth to. Sh close and not do the shaking or the, the chattering stuff like you mentioned about being cold um, and then it, it, they sort of go away eventually after my turn is finished or if like in my mind in the meeting I'm secretly playing please run out of time please run out of time so I don't have to say anything and we can go to the next meeting yeah uh, yeah okay and do you, do you feel like your coworkers kind of notice when they happen I hope not. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure I don't think so. 
the the only person who's ever noticed stuff is just my my best friend because uh, when i talk about like anxiety or panic attacks uh because she, she's next to me so she's like oh she notices the change in in color and i'm i'm a brown person i'm ethnically indian uh so when an indian person turns red it's really easy it's not easy to see but if it if somebody does notice it means you're something really weird is going on with your body chemistry yeah well that's interesting i'm, I'm it's yeah i'm i would have thought that kind of more people notice so I, it's cool to hear that it's just the people that matter to you that notice Yes. Um, I, I mean, because I, I mean, it is remote. So, I mean, there are like, when we do meetings, there are like 10, 11 people. I can imagine people are just looking everywhere. So that's why they don't notice. And uh, uh, thank God for that. But yeah. yes. Okay. And then, so now we've talked about kind of like beforehand, what kind of happens, the anticipation builds up. And then as it's happening, your lips are doing the chatter thing. I don't even know what you call that, but it's happening. And then um, after a, an anxiety attack, what does that look like? It's just fine, like like totally normal. Like uh, sometimes in the meetings where the meeting finishes and I haven't had to say anything. And as it gets closer towards the end, I'm like, still, it's just the anxiety lessens. Or uh, after I say my bit and everything's okay. And then it just it's, it's just like a switch off. Body is, is back to normal. I'm back to normal. Uh, no problem. Gotcha. Does uh, do you feel relieved once that like switch kind of goes off and you're like, oh, this is this is fine. Um, I don't. I guess I, I, for that particular part, the way you described it, I don't actually feel. I just feel, I feel irritated that I keep experiencing it, even though you know, being thirty eight, thirty nine, having experience with this sort of stuff, and uh. I just I feel irritated that I'm still undergoing mental health issues and anxiety and that sort of stuff. I know a lot of uh, mental health stuff, like like earlier you mentioned, depression is like a like it's a genetic thing. I haven't done too much research, but I believe it's it's a lot of the time it's just part of your brain, and so sometimes you'll be like, oh, I'm doing a better place, and then um, it's still there. It's just you're in a better place, I guess. So. Sorry, that was a little off top off topic, but just thought I'd point it out. Okay, and then I guess we should talk about. So those were anxiety attacks, and those you can actually kind of schedule, figure out what times they happen because it's at work for the most part. From Correct. What I understand. Yes. Um. So what about? Let's go into the panic attacks. Kind of like the same questions beforehand. You said it's. Uh, you said with panic attacks, it's they're unexpected. It's just yeah, overwhelming feeling, uh, usually tears. Uh, with minor ones, it's sort of like tears in my eyes. And as it gets stronger, it's could be physical crying. Um, yeah, and unexpected, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Where is, do you have any like correlation to places it happens? Like I know you mentioned, no, let's see. The motorcycle was anxiety, right? Uh, motorcycle was panic. Oh, okay. Anxiety is usually at work. Okay, so the yeah, that one was a panic. I know, so there was that. Um, what other type of places have you seen panic attacks happen? Um, there, for the for the most part, it rarely happens at home, um, or even even if I'm out, it's um, the the majority of times it is on when I'm riding my motorcycle going between places. 
Have you ever thought about, like, I know it sounds like um, Taiwan, it's not a place you typically do use a car just because not worth it. Do you ever just think about switching to maybe a car? Or would... um, I've, I've thought about it. It's, it's one of those things that I would get after I bought a house. Oh, yeah. That's one thing you're working on right now. So Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Is You said you kind of get sad and uh, like kind of depressed when it comes to those panic attacks. Um, and it starts with tears. Um, yes, tears, like, uh, almost like that sort of, you know, when, when you cry really seriously, like your, your face distorts in that sort of sense of crying, um, in the very serious panic attacks, uh, it's like that is like my face wants to go into like a crying face before the tears come out. Yeah. It's just like, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, what about, I mean, I'm kind of asking the same questions. I just want to... No, no like, problem, go ahead. Compare and contrast. But yeah, what about the physical, well, yeah, what about, what what physically happens, um, I guess, aside from maybe tears and... Uh, physically, it, it's just that, uh, and then there's, there's the mental component, which is just sort of the the wanting to give up, uh, wanting to sort of like run away somewhere or just go to the airport, get on a plane, fly somewhere where nobody knows me and be somebody else. Um, this is embarrassing to admit, but even I I still occasionally have the, the thought of like, okay, let's just step in front of a bus or something like that. Uh, just to sort of have that like peace and quiet and just stop being pushed by work and all these other things in my life yeah and that's that's not embarrassing like it's it's a real thought and i've had similar thoughts and you're just like i i don't want to continue and you know and you don't want to also go out and shoot yourself you know this is getting deep (laughs) (laughs) yes it it is and and it's something i haven't i haven't mentioned in a while yeah and it's it's hard to be like every day like oh yeah i'm excited for work and all this stuff and i get it it it, it really is tough um what what type of things kind of i mean yeah work and motorcycle let's try diving deeper maybe there's something because it sounds a lot like it might be with um just how you like just kind of goals and like you you have this pressure that's just over like it's that elephant we mentioned earlier it's just over your life and you're and it's just kind of there what um what other things do you think maybe is kind of like that pressure so not like anything not anything visible i guess is what i'm asking i guess i have a a, so so i mentioned work and in in asia in town there's a lot of people pressure uh, there's a pressure with my partner as well because um, she doesn't work and she doesn't need to work because I make fairly good money. Uh, but but there are times where our relationship is pretty difficult. I mean, because, uh, I mean, and I say this now is, is she's a big reason and I get to live in Taiwan because she forced me to learn Chinese and speak Chinese and I only speak Chinese at home with her. 
which is why like a lot of foreigners come to town and they leave because they can't acclimatize to the society and the culture and the language. So I'm internally grateful for that. But at the same time, you know, like when you're with someone, you're like, I, I need to tell you something and I need to explain something. And I can't because sometimes I just, well, my Chinese is pretty good. There's a lot of stuff I can't explain. And and she's she's a very strong person. So she's she doesn't like offer, you know, that shoulder to cry on or emotional support. Or uh, she grew up in a very strict household. She's, she's just like, get over yourself, be a strong man. And, and, and that's what she says to me in Chinese all the time. Um, that is is definitely a component to things and their friends stuff that you know you feel responsible for people like you know um in the pr company i i asked my boss to hire a former student of mine uh because i know she wanted to be a flight attendant uh when she was growing up as a teenager and of course you know nobody's flying too much anymore because of covid so she needed a job i'm like oh you know your english is really good you should come and do my job you know so i can focus on my new job as a community manager you know with a crypto company yeah would um if she were to have taken that job is the job she was able to take was that the public relations one yeah correct correct so she does a lot of the stuff i used to be very busy with which is why i'm down to just four hours there a week okay so in asia is it i know you were mentioning the culture earlier if you were to get someone you know like you that is going to be responsible for the job like you know they'd be good and you kind of give them that role and then you and then are you able to kind of take yourself away from that job um in in as much as i can like let go of the small stuff but uh, because she's really young she's only 24 um a lot of the bigger plans the biggest stuff it's still i'm the only person in the company who is able to handle it okay gotcha okay and then i want to go back to that communication because i think that's super important um, I've actually never been in like a relationship. So for me, this is just from what I've researched and all that stuff. I'm, and it sounds like you're not able to always communicate, especially since you speak to her and um, it's Chinese, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So you, you speak to her in Chinese and, and she was also raised like, Hey, this is just, just get to work. Like, like it's okay. Um, does that's kind of just a culture somewhat in just, that area, if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Uh, in general, it, it's it's a lot better with some people. The next that the next twenty something generation, but still, still definitely an issue. Asian people definitely lo- much less emotional than Western people are. Yeah, so that's that's interesting, and I mean, I don't have an answer obviously for how to be more communicative. And I know sometimes you literally don't know the vocabulary. Was English your native language? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, South Africa used to be a former British colony, so uh, English is is taught from the time you grew up. Okay, so you learned, you started with English, and then, and then is Ireland English too? Sorry, I'm just curious. Now. Ireland English, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, of course. Uh, Ireland English, uh, Ireland is is also uh, people learn uh, Gaelic as well in school, uh, but that is uh, one another one of those things like dying languages because of new generations of kids. Yeah. As kids, <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I just want to go back to that communication again, and that's—I mean, that's that's tough. Like, you need someone to talk to. Are you? I know you said previously, a couple years back, you were doing therapy. Are you still doing therapy? 
And uh, no, I, I stopped. Um, it's been one of those things I've wanted to go back to it again, uh, but just haven't gotten down to it. Because um, when I did therapy here, I had to look for somebody English speaking, and that was a, a mission in itself. I eventually found someone, and she was really, really, really good. Um, a, a really wonderful therapist. Um, but no, no therapy at the moment, but I do want to go back. Yeah. And when you found that person that does English, was it like in-person therapy? Yes, uh, in-person therapy. Um, it, it was really close to where I live now, actually. Um, it was also, but um, one of the downsides of therapy here in Taiwan is it's quite expensive, more expensive. Uh, is it more expensive? I should say American therapy, I remember, is like maybe 30 to $100 a session, maybe more. Yeah, I think it's around there. Um, so in Taiwanese therapy, it's about 60 bucks a session at a minimum, uh, 60 US dollars a session. And that is quite expensive for a lot of Taiwanese people. Um, I mean, 60 US dollars would be the lunch and dinner of somebody in Taiwan for a week. Wow. That's, that isn't a significant, and on top of that, they have, you need, you would like someone that does English. Exactly. So that's interesting. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say really for the communication because, I mean, you can't just be like, wife, communicate better. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> no. Um, I've tried. <laughs> it hasn't worked. And I don't, I don't blame her. Um, so so it, it's what I've realized is that's why I have my uh, best friend who's somebody I usually, uh, she's the person I tell this sort of stuff to, um, even though, uh, she used to live in my city, but she lives in another city right now. And uh, usually I will send her messages or stuff if I'm feeling terrible. And uh, or I'll call her or uh, we meet every now and then. And just uh, I just sort of unleash and explain things going on and uh, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you at least have that. Now, that friend sounds like a, a really good person. Um, just from what you've said throughout this whole podcast. You're like, yeah, she's there. And... So I'm glad that you have that support at least. Me, me too as well. It, it, it's I'm very thankful because we we actually met on the road. Like she just approached me uh, back when I used to be an English teacher, and she's like, uh, "Are you an English teacher?" I'm like, "Yeah, I am." And she's like, "Oh, do you want to be my teacher?" I'm like, "Cool, sure, why not?" Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, and then let's kind of go to the things. Let's kind of reroute it to a more positive route now that we've gone into those like nitty gritty details. Um, sure. Yeah. So what what type of things do help during? Let's start with an anxiety attack. So you got work, and what type of things help with them? Um, this is gonna sound really silly. Um, it's really silly, and I've never told anybody this actually. But um, for an anxiety attack, um, what I usually do is I watch action sequences of TV shows and movies. I love that. That's, you know, that's something so simple yet so, like, I mean, you want to feel bold. and um, But yeah, do you watch them, you just kind of watch them, like, at work while you notice it's starting to happen? So so I, I work from home, right? Um, yeah. So I just queue stuff up on my computer on Netflix or uh, files I have on my computer, and I'm like, okay. And, and I watch the same thing. Like, I've watched the same action sequences hundreds of times, literally hundreds, if not thousands. Um, and that's what I do. And it's weird, but it works. That actually reminds me. So I haven't done like fancy research to this, 
but I've seen a thing on Twitter or I think it was Reddit too. A lot of people with anxiety, they rewatch the same stuff they've already seen because they already know how it's going to play out, which kind of relieves that. And so along with feeling like that action and bold, maybe you're rewatching it just so that um, it reassures you you're like it's going to be okay. That's I like this. You funny you mentioned that because I do this. Um, I'm the only person in my family who does this. I watch uh, rewatch seasons of TV shows multiple times in my lifetime. Like um, I'm a big Star Trek fan. Uh, I love Deep Space Nine, even though a lot of people don't like it. I've watched seven times 24 episodes. That's a more, almost 150 episodes. Wow. Um, at least uh, five times. So I've watched all seven seasons five times. Not just that. Uh, Alias, uh, Jack, uh, La Femme de Kira, all these sort of like actiony story shows that I watch. And, you, and you're right. It's just, dude, you just blew my mind that the reason I watch it is because it's it makes me feel calm and it, it relaxes me because I know what's going to happen. Yeah. And that is a thing. And and people, my older brother calls me a control freak as well because um, I guess the TV show stuff just comes back to control and. Um, going back to the the TV issue as well is as I've gotten older, I can't watch uh, overly serious stuff. So I'm, I've started watching like really happy oriented TV shows more. And I guess that might be something to do with anxiety and the panic attacks to sort of um, keep myself positive and in a happy mood. Yeah, for sure. Is um, It's kind of interesting with those TV shows and stuff with the uh, tv shows or just kind of in general um oh control that's what i was you mentioned control when you were talking um yes i i i'm not like a control freak but like i am kind of precise um my my nephews come into my office and they're like whoa look at all this stuff i'm kind of like eh, please don't touch anything pretty much because i don't want it broken um where do you see that kind of control in your life um and how does that reflect with anxiety um, so, uh, okay. Uh, long story short, my control issue stemmed from, um, so in, in South African history, right? Uh, people before Mandela became president, uh, people of color didn't mix. So Indian people were lived in an Indian area. Black people lived in a black area. White people lived in a white area. And, um, my dad was a doctor. So in 1990, due to pressure from the UN, the South African president was like, okay, if you're a high-level family, you get to move to a white-only area and go to the white-only school and, you know, the better education. So I did that. And I think that was the part where I lost control in my life. And it gave me these control issues from then. And, uh, yeah, just I, I, for me, control is like I, I have a routine. Like I wake up a certain amount of time. I clean every Sunday. I when I ride my bicycle for exercise, I ride X amount of kilometers. I don't change it. I've had the same haircut for the last twenty five years, just because. I say it's easy, but actually, that's also part of the control thing as well. Yeah, that that that's interesting because I know earlier you mentioned like um, you just feel stuck with um, like let, I'll just say nine to five. It sounds like you don't work like a nine to five, but I mean you work. You know, um, you work forty seven ish hours. So yeah. that kind of kind of reminds me of that. It's like, um, what do you, I just feel like control might play a role with that um, 
that that uh just the day going like the same day on repeat oh yeah no no totally it's, it's as you're saying it i'm like um i would imagine my panic attacks stem from like like if you imagine like a like a flask and with a measuring cup and you know as my week is going and i'm feeling like everyone is taking control or events are taking control from me and then sort of maybe that's why it bubbles over into a panic attack and i start crying or feeling bombarding myself with negative thoughts yeah a uh, kind of random question do you when you get those panic attacks on the motorcycle do you do you like tear up while you're riding it oh yeah 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 that's what i said it's, it's kind of dangerous sometimes because uh, it, it, it sometimes when it is serious it's it's um a large amount of tears and i have to blink myself and physically like remind myself slow down or pull over to the side of the road yeah that's i mean that is that is a very valid concern just with um i mean i've never rode a motorcycle but yeah tears while you're riding a motorcycle is pretty scary i find sneezing while i'm driving a car scary <laughs> <laughs> um but no yeah so let's see and then we talked about what things help with anxiety attacks so let's now reroute that to panic attacks what kind of things help you with that um so my panic attacks are very short um they're usually not longer than three four maybe five ish minutes sometimes there are after effects like like sometimes when i'm thinking about the day and i think about this panic attack and then I'll start to feel bad. And um, usually what happens is I, I watch something happy. Um, usually TV shows have help a lot. Or I play like a relaxing uh, game. Like, I, again, as I've gotten older, I've I've sort of changed from stuff I used to like when I was younger to like more. Uh, <laughs> funny thing is like, you know, all these like games, computer games that like where you work in a game like you're a farmer or something like that and again that just that goes back to control now that i think about it yeah um so all 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 of this stuff so i mean usually stuff that sort of brings control back to me um like playing a game or watching a tv show or uh, where i know in this game i'm just a farmer or i know this is a happy ending there's always a happy ending in this tv show um stuff like that really it helps um the after effects um usually if i'm feeling bad uh, in the evening and i'll watch something happy and that sort of sort of resets my mind so uh i i mean i never have a problem sleeping but it, it just i can forget or maybe ignore what happened before yeah just kind of resets the tone in your mind exactly um and then actually another thing that i just kind of thought of have you taken any medication just for uh, anxiety or panic attacks, anxiety attacks? Um, I've never taken anything. I've I've considered it um, because, uh, I mean, beyond that, I have a physical, I have a skin condition that is related to the sort of stress, panic attack stuff. And I take medicine for that that uh, helps me sleep. So like um, that like that gives me a full like I get to sleep like a full eight hours and that and I again another thing I I shouldn't be admitting is I take this medicine now even though 
um, it's for my skin. It, it stops it from uh, itching. Yeah. And I take it sometimes just so that I can get like a good night's sleep and not wake up early and not feel tired. Does even with that medication, do you still wake up at six? Um, no. Uh, sometimes yes. Sometimes no. If I do wake up, it's just like literally of putting my head back down to my pillow and going back to sleep. It's not like normally when I wake up and my nose is clogged up or I have a headache or something like that. And I just, my mind is just awake and it's like, sorry, Korean, you can't go back to sleep. Wake up. Wake up, Korean. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so let's see. I want to kind of expand now on the skin condition. It, is it just it makes you, what is the skin condition called? And does it just make you like itch or what are the symptoms? So when I was in the States, um, in Massachusetts, a doctor told me it was seborrheic dermatitis. Um, in Taiwan, people have said it's eczema. My dad as well, he said it's stress-related um, because I've had this skin condition since I was 14 years old, and it's gotten progressively worse. Um, so what it is is basically, um, biologically speaking, right, your skin is connected to your uh, venules or your capillaries, and they provide blood to your skin, which is why it's healthy. So what my body does is my body produces too much skin um, on my head, inside my ears, on my left leg below the knee, um, on my body and various patches. And that skin, of course, is not connected to blood vessels. So it just, it, your body was like, what is this stuff on top of me? Get it off. Yeah, it's not close. <laughs> exactly. So um, that just makes me itchy. Uh, and that is exacerbated by stress. Taiwan doctors have said it. My dad said it. Um, by lack of sleep as well. Um, a, a friend of mine who's also a therapist, she was like, you know, if, you're, if you were more mentally healthy, you probably wouldn't have this issue. And um, now that I mention it, I, I've always felt like um, I was in England to see my older brother two years ago before COVID hit. And I remember the feeling there. I slept wonderfully for like a week. Uh, my skin did not itch. I didn't have to take any medicine. And it, it just made me think I'm like, it's stress. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I, I can see that. I know a lot of, I mean, I don't have a skin condition, but I know a lot of when I got my acne up and I don't know, just, just in general, I see a lot of that stuff. It, it does relate to stress. It's crazy. It's like, why does my medical relate to stress? But um, how often do you go on vacation? Um, before COVID, I used to go every year and... Uh, now i haven't gone in a while i'm planning to uh have a holiday so usually i mean even though i haven't gone i still took off a week last year and i just you know stayed at home a staycation and play games with my brothers um, i'm planning to take another week off this year i mean during uh, christmas time when most of the western world is in holiday so uh, but yeah no i haven't actually gone left taiwan in about two and a half three years oh wow that's a bit of time those staycations, they're good, though. I mean, like, I'm not much of a traveler, so I'm like, if I take a week off, I'm going to do a staycation. Oh, yeah. I, I love staying at home. I'm, I'm, that's, I love working at home now. I, um, that has helped with the panic attacks a lot, uh, is working from home and not having to travel so much because maybe a year ago, if you had talked to me, I would be uh, spending a good an hour on my motorcycle going between different places every day, and then I hated it. Oh yeah, I can see why that would bring some a lot of panic, a lot of panic. That's uh, that's a huge difference. I personally want to work from home. Um, hope so. Hopefully, I get there someday too. Um, 
let's see. And then, uh, I mean, for the most part, I feel like, I mean, we're like eight minutes away from an hour, so. <laughs> but for the most part, that answers most of my questions. Oh, another no thing uh, that I was thinking is, when did you start getting those panic attacks? Um, they started, panic attacks, anxiety attacks started roughly about three to four years ago. Three to four years ago. So it's a relatively new thing for you. In oh, yeah. Very new. <laughs> so that that's interesting. Um, You moved to Taiwan... Th was 2009. 2009. Oh, okay. So it was while you were in Taiwan that you started getting them. Yes. It's interesting. And... Um, and then, like you said, you can't, you, you don't feel like you can just leave your job just cause, um, the mentors or the, the people that kind of got you there. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I'm in the process of trying to figure out what to do, uh, to sort of like reduce my responsibilities and stuff. And I talked to my former student who's doing my job now and I was like telling her the other day, I'm like, Hey, um, what do you think have I told, uh, my, my boss at that job is Ken. And I said, if I told Ken that I wouldn't be coming anymore, would you want to uh, do my Monday, Thursday, two hour meetings? She was like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm like, like oh, come on. <laughs> Man. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's their choice though. So it is. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly. So I'm still, I'm looking for solutions, but I've, I've set myself like a deadline um, in some case uh, to say like, okay, if everything with a new job is okay, then by December of this year, I will drop this. Um, I still have a, a school that I really, really like, and I love the kids there. The kids are just awesome. Uh, and I'm still doing six hours of class there a week. Um, and including commute time, that's probably about a good eight hours commitment. Yeah. That actually um, brings me to another point, if you don't mind, is teaching. Uh, what does, does that, because to me, I, I think being a teacher would be pretty cool. Does that kind of like fulfill you in a sense? Or what, what is oh, that? Oh, yeah. Like? Um, I, I never realized, but I actually, I like kids. Uh, my partner and I, um, she's not a kid person. Uh, so I know we're not having kids, but I, I enjoy kids. Kids are very like rejuvenating. Um, when I was teaching like eight hours a day in some, some periods of my life, um, I would feel horribly tired. But once you get in the classroom, it's like your body was like, okay, game on and energy comes in and you suck the energy out. Then when you finish that last class, you go home, you're like, you're slowly putting your fork to your plate of pasta. And you're like, oh my God, I'm just so tired. Jump in the shower. You just lay on the bed. You're just out. So it's exhausting, but it's rewarding. Oh yeah. No, no, totally. And in, in Asia, I feel rewarded as a person of color because a lot of teachers here are generally uh, American, Canadian, uh, generally white. So uh, I feel rewarded in the sense of exposing people to somebody of color and uh, my personal unique background and uh, that, hey, you don't have to be afraid of. Um, because in, in, in general, in Asia, darker skinned people are still not as liked as white American or white Canadian people. Yeah, just sad that that's the case. But I mean, it's, it's, I would imagine it's kind of slowly... Uh, oh yeah, it, it's changed a lot. When I first moved to Taiwan, like years ago, I was probably the only person of color um, in a good twenty-mile radius where I lived. <laughs> Shoot, that's that's far. When I went to, I'm only eighteen, by the way, so I'm not that old. But when I was in high school, 
Um, there is, my high school is full of like white people, so like every now and then you'd see like a black person or a person of color. We had a lot of Mexican or Hispanics, and oh, okay, um, but like it was that or white people, and then every now and then there was like a black person or brown, just <laughs> kind of funny. So my well, school is not to... very diverse. Oh. That's fine. I, I went to a small town in Minnesota when I was living in the States, and there was like, a, I think it's 172 people, and I literally was the only person of color there. Oh, my goodness. You're like, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun, but it was a, a little bit awkward at times. Yeah. All right. I think that was mostly all my questions. I'm glad you opened up so much. That, that really does add to this conversation and just getting to know you. You've been like, like it, I feel like it clicked, like the conversation clicked. You know? Oh, yeah, dude, you are such a good I mean, um, from my podcasting perspective, I've learned a lot from the way you run your podcast. So it's it, to me, I want to say thank you as well, because it's it, it's good. I'm still learning. I've been podcasting for a year um, and I'm just looking forward to I, I learn new things all the time. And I learned a lot from you, Landon. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you saying that. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, that is my I don't know. So, yeah, thank you. That that means a lot. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for being on, Kran. It's been a ton of fun, and I'm glad you opened up so much with all that info. I hope it does help anyone listening that might be going through something similar. Um, so if you want to just credit your podcast again, and then we'll go to the next piece of dough. Sure. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening to my story. Um, I appreciate you understanding the the way I explained it, as unclear as it was. Uh, if you want to interested in crypto, please check out my podcast, Inside Crypto. Just Google it in Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, Amazon Music, it's all there. And uh, thanks again, Landon, for having me. I appreciate you making the effort to share stories like these because I wish I had this when I was growing up and dealing with depression and stuff to be able to listen to somebody like you who shares stories and maybe help me feel better. So I appreciate all that you're doing. Yeah, thank you. On to the next piece of dough. Do you understand? We're now moving to our next piece of dough. Wow, the interview is over so soon. Thanks a lot for being on, Korean. Much appreciated, and I hope people that struggle with panic attacks or anxiety attacks or even just anxiety really did learn something. Uh, my favorite tip was probably the, not even a tip, just what you do, the watching action sequences. That was an amazing, mind-blowing thing, in my opinion. So if you want to go check him out, he's in the description for his Inside Crypto podcast. Now let's finish off this piece of dough. Guest in this episode was Korean from the Inside Crypto Podcast. Thanks a ton for being on again. I'd love to have you, the listener, as a guest. So there'll be info to sign up in the description. And if you don't know what Linguini's dough is, this is where we start with dough, which can really be baked into anything. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to focus on what people are struggling with or what they're going through or what they have been through. And yeah, that's what I've been baking it at lately. The voice actor in this video is user slash Lendry from Reddit spelled L-E-N-D-R-Y. Go check him out. Go check him out if you want a reliable voice actor. And all music from this was in the YouTube audio library. So thanks again for tuning in to this piece of dough. And I'll see you guys on the next piece of dough.